Good morning, church family. I'm so happy to be here with you to worship. My name is Abigail Harms. Today's reading comes from Hebrews 10, 19 through 25. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain that is through his flesh, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. Well, it's great to be with you all. Uh, if you don't know me, my name is Jordan. I serve on staff here at Christ Covenant as of April, and uh, it is my joy to open God's word with you all this morning. So if you haven't already, I invite you to actually open up your Bibles uh, to this passage. If you don't have your Bible, maybe pull up a Bible app or something. We're going to be doing a lot of work in the passage, and I just want you to be able to to look at it. Um, we're in the middle of a three-part series uh, on worship. Um, last week, Jason talked to us about why, why we worship. Um, next Sunday, I'm excited that we are going to spend a whole service talking about how we gather to worship. In other words, what are the components of our gathering together? Um, this Sunday, we are going to consider together why we gather to worship. In other words, what's so important about Christians coming together week after week to, to gather, to respond to God's invitation? Is it optional? Is it essential? How important is it? Now, it's not lost on me that it's a bit ironic that we're talking about the importance of gathering together in the midst of a pandemic, right? We have all had to face questions of, should I gather with my church, whether physically present uh, or not, due to due safety concerns, health concerns. Uh, these, are, these are strange times, right? We, we at times have tuned in from our couches in our pajamas <laughs> to gather with the church community. And, and that's, that's a bit odd. Uh, my family, uh, none of my kids have attended a Sunday gathering yet uh, due to due health concerns. And we hope to, to do that soon. But th- these, are, these are odd times. Um, but I believe that actually this is the perfect time for us to consider why it's so important for us to gather together. Uh, Christians are really confused about the church gathering. Um, Josh Youssef sent me a survey this past week. Uh, the survey was, um, for Christians, have, have you attended virtually an online service uh, from your church? Um, a third of that group polled have not. They have not tuned into church since the pandemic started. Another third have decided to tune into a different 
church service, right? They Maybe their live stream wasn't very good for their church, so they're going to the, the big budget mega church stream. Uh, we're a little confused. What's important about this gathering? Now, I know that that the application of this passage in particular might look different in COVID, but I do think that it's important for us to consider. God's Word does speak to us this morning, and, and so I'm excited to consider this together. Let's, let's pray. Father, we're, we're grateful to be here. Um, thank you for the weather. Thank you for this place, and thank you for the opportunity to gather together to respond to your invitation. And Lord, as we quiet our hearts and quiet our distractions, as we consider your word, Lord, I pray that you would speak to us. Uh, You know us completely. You know what we need to hear. And so, Lord, I pray that you would speak. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, here's the simple truth that, that I want us to consider together this morning. God invites you to know and experience Him through the gathered church. God invites you to know and experience Him through the gathered church. In other words, your relationship with God is not supposed to just be you by yourself. It's not contained to you with your Bible, in your bedroom, praying by yourself. No. God has invited you to do that and to participate in his family, in his church community. He saved you not to be isolated, but to participate in his family, in the visible representation of his covenant community that he bought with his blood. Further, to neglect gathering with that community, participation in that community, can actually hinder your experience of God and your maturity as a Christian. In other words, it's not optional for the Christian. Being a part of participating in the church community is essential to your faith. So, we're going to look at this passage and consider why that is the case. So we're going to, two main headings, there's two reasons and there's three invitations. Two reasons, three invitations. In the book of Hebrews, where we are in it, it's a bit of a transition point. The author has talked about a lot of different things and the main uh, subject is Jesus is better than anything, right? Jesus is better than all these different things. And so at this point, he's going to remind us of those things and then transition into, okay, what, is, what does this mean for us? So let's look at the two reasons. He starts in verse 19 with, therefore, brothers and sisters, which we, all mean, which we all know means, in light of these things, this is the case. So in light of these things, and then he's going to spell out for us what these things are, the, the two reasons. And so there's two, two reasons, both start with since, right? Look at verse 19. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is through his flesh. So he's saying, since we have confidence 
to enter the holy place by the blood of Jesus. Now, what, what does this mean? Well, the author of Hebrews has compared Jesus' perfect sacrifice to the ultimate futility of the sacrificial system of the Israelites. Look at uh, verse 11 in chapter 10. He says, And every priest stands daily at his service, offering repeatedly the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. Talking about the sacrificial system. But when Christ had offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God, waiting from that time until his enemies should be made a footstool for his feet. For by a single offering, he has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. So he's saying, was the sacrificial system effective for the Israelites? Yes, it was. But was it sufficient? No, it wasn't. But Jesus' sacrifice is sufficient for all time. And so Jesus has laid down his life as a sacrifice, shed his blood, so that we can enter into the holy place of God. Now, if you know your Old Testament, you know that the tabernacle was situated and that the innermost part of the tabernacle was a place called the Most holy place. And this was where God's presence dwelled. That's where the ark was. That's where God decided to be. And no one could enter in because no one was holy. So this is saying to us, Jesus has opened up access into the most holy place. What separated the Israelites from the presence of God was a curtain. And that curtain has been ripped open by the blood of Jesus. And so Jesus has given us access into this most holy place. But that's not all. This is the second since. Verse 21. And since we have a great priest over the house of God. So we have now a better priest than the Israelites had. Now, the, the, great, the, the high priest was able to enter into the most holy place once a year. And he could only do that if he sacrificed for the sins of the Israelites and he sacrificed for his own sins, because he wasn't holy either. They needed these sacrifices in order for him to enter in one time a year to the holy place. Well, friends, the author of Hebrews reminds us that we now have a great high priest, Jesus. And as nine, chapter 9, verse 12 says, he entered once for all into the holy places, not by means of the blood of goats and calves, but by means of his own blood, thus securing an eternal redemption. So the access that was restricted to us because of our sinfulness has been granted to us through the blood of Jesus. What we could never dare to hope for has been 
accomplished. We can be with God now. We can have a relationship with him. Two amazing reasons. Now, what should result now? Because that's not where he ends. That's where he begins. Since these things are true, what should result? Well, he gives us three invitations, three exhortations. They all begin with let us. In other words, they're all corporate in their language. This is not you. This is let us do these things. So let's look at these. First, let us draw near. Verse 22. Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. The free access that Jesus has given to us is meant to encourage us to enter in, to be utilized. So my wife and I have a, uh, a travel credit card, right? You, you apply for these credit cards, you pay it off, you get points, you travel eventually one day, right? We're racking up the points right now. Um, so if, if you have one of these, you know that the way they get you or the way they lure you in is by offering all these perks, right? And so if you go to the website of this particular credit card, you'll see all these different perks about all these different things you can get. And so our particular credit card, one of the things that it offers is exclusive access to these exclusive resorts, right? These resorts that aren't open to normal people, just you with this credit card, right? And so I was like, sign me up. So I, I, you know, I click on this, curious, like, wow, maybe I can get something from this. And, and I click on it, and one, what they offer is the access, and then they offer a free breakfast. So I was like, sweet. So I click on it, you know, put in a couple days. Maybe we could go to this place. And then I realized that the access for me is to spend $1,000 a night to stay at this resort with a free breakfast, right? Needless to say, I have not utilized that access yet that this credit card grants me. The access that Jesus has given us is meant to be liberally and frequently used. It's free as well. Right? God has given us the free gift of access into his presence, and he now encourages us to freely utilize it, to draw near to him. Since you have access with God, he wants you to run to him. He wants you to be with him. Jesus enables us to have an experiential relationship with God. That's incredible. Now, where can we do this? Well, the immediate answer is anywhere. Anywhere. When you go home today, through the gift of God's Spirit, you can draw near to God at your house, by yourself. When you read your Bible, when you pray to Him, when, when you worship Him and thank Him for His good gifts. And God has encouraged us to do this in the context of the gathered 
church, to draw near to him in the context of the gathered church. So turn over a page in your Bible to Hebrews chapter 12, two chapters later. I, I want to show us this to, to give us a sense of the gravity and significance of what we do every Sunday. So Hebrews chapter 12, beginning in verse 18, it says, for you have not come to what may be touched, a blazing fire and darkness and gloom and a tempest and the sound of a trumpet and a voice whose words made the hearers beg that no further messages be spoken to them. For they could not endure the order that was given. If even a beast touches the mountain, it shall be stoned. Indeed, so terrifying was the sight that Moses said, I tremble with fear. What is he talking about? Well, if you know your Old Testament, he's talking about Mount Sinai when God calls the Israelites together at Mount Sinai and he gives them the Ten Commandments and he visits them with his presence. And if you've read it in Exodus, this mirrors what they experienced. What did they experience when they beheld God? Fear. Darkness. Gloom. Guilt. Shame. They, they hid. They were so terrified that they later told Moses, Moses, you interface with God. You come back and tell us what he says. We can't stand to be in this holy God's presence, his, his greatness. And, and that's a right response, right, to God's holiness. But here, something's changed for us because the passage continues. You, you've not come to that gathering, you've come to something different. Verse 22, but you have come to Mount Zion and to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to the innumerable angels in festal gathering and to the assembly of the firstborn who enrolled in heaven and to God, the judge of all, and to the spirits of the righteous made perfect and to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. So no longer is our experience as we gather in God's presence fear. But no, we, we look forward to this, this Mount Zion, this heavenly Jerusalem. There is now an unseen, glorious assembly of worshipers in the presence of God that that has the living God at the center, but now it has Jesus as the mediator. The angels are worshiping, the saints are worshiping, and Jesus is there. And so we have that to look forward to as Christians. One day when we will join into that worship in God's presence. But did you notice that the author says in verse 22, you have come already. This is not just a, a future reality, but by faith, this is also our, our present reality. Just as God called the Israelites to, to reveal himself to them, and as there is a current assembly that worships around God's throne, we can also experience that when we gather together as a church. In our own assembly, Jesus is here. 
He's, he's present. The Spirit of God is here. Each time we gather, we are joining in that glorious assembly to worship the Lord. There's an author named David Peterson, and he says, Local congregations or house groups may be viewed as earthly manifestations of that heavenly assembly already gathered around God in Christ. The congregational meeting should thus be a way of expressing our common participation in that heavenly community, gathered, cleansed, and consecrated to God by the Messiah's work. So each Sunday, when we gather together, we draw near to this holy, magnificent God, not with fear like the Israelites anymore because of Jesus. Instead, we draw near with confidence. Confidence in the presence of God. Earlier in Hebrews, in chapter 4, there's very similar language, and it says this, let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. So get this, guys. Every Sunday, God invites you and I to, to see his greatness and glory, to behold him in his majesty, yes, but also to remind us of his grace, of his mercy, of his love for his people. Can we all agree that we're all prone to discouragement? Right? You live your Christian life and you're, you get discouraged. You get fearful. You, you at times doubt God's love for you. You question, Lord, are you, are you with me? Do you care about me? At times we, we doubt that God has truly forgiven us of our sins. At times we question, God, are you so holy and glorious that you, you don't really care about me and, and the details of, of my life? Are you worthy to be worshipped? Maybe even this morning you felt some of those things. Maybe you're, you have in your mind a way that you've sinned or, or your lack of faith, and, and you come here and those are the questions you're, you're wrestling with. Do you know what God has given you? A weekly reminder that that is not true. He's given you and me a weekly reminder of what is true. That God is for you. That he loves you. That you are not alone. That he is worthy to be worshipped, that he is your priceless treasure, that he is sufficient for you, that you are loved and washed and consecrated to live for him. He gives you communion to, to taste what he has accomplished in his broken body and his shed blood for the forgiveness of your sins. He gives you baptism to remind you and, and you get to feel the reality of God washing you completely clean. He gives you an experience of his presence to remind you again and again, you're saved. 
You're loved. You're my people. You are not forgotten. I have brought you here to remind you of my great love for you. Every week. That's God's invitation to you and to me. And you thought it was just an hour and a half of a little singing and listening to somebody talk. No. God has invited each one of us to incredible grace every Sunday. He's given us a weekly reminder to remember His perfect redemption. And friends, because of Jesus, we can do this with confidence. Look back in chapter 10. A true heart or a sincere heart in full assurance or confidence of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. So God calls us, invites us to draw near to Him as we gather together. Second, let us hold fast. Let us hold fast. Verse 23. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, For he who promised is faithful. So we as a community are called to hold fast and confess the hope that we have. And we do this because God is faithful and Jesus is alive. It is not easy to persevere in our faith. Hebrews is peppered with calls and warnings to to persevere and to continue in your great salvation. The writer of Hebrews is writing to a people who are tempted to abandon their faith because of persecution. And so he's calling them, exhorting them to to continue. You might be here and you you are in that place. You're, You're facing significant suffering in your life. And it's hard for you to believe God's promises. It's hard to believe in in the hope that He gives to us. What do you do in those moments? Our temptation is to run from God, convinced that He's forgotten us. But God's call and invitation to us is to go to Him and to confess the hope that we have. Christ is our hope. And so we need to hear that. We need to confess it. We need to be reassured by it. One of the privileges I have here on Staff at Christ Covenant is to help shape and order our services so that we can encourage one another and hold fast to our confession. So if you've noticed, if you've been coming here for any length of time, you'll notice that we're not big on, you know, um, big productions or, you know, smoke, smoke uh, machines and, and big lights or, you know, Jason isn't coming up here and kind of just trying to make you feel good and laugh and, you know, give you kind of five keys to a better, happier life. Um, we're not doing that uh, because we're boring, maybe. But I would argue um, it's because we believe that we have the greatest message that this world has ever heard before. 
And so we want us, the congregation, to consider that every single Sunday. It never gets old. It only gets better. We only deepen our experience and expectation of God's glorious love for his people. So next Sunday, we're going to give a whole service uh, talking about why we structure our service the way we do. But I just want to give you a foretaste of it. We begin our time reminding us that God has invited us to worship him. We're not doing God a favor by coming to his gathering. No, we're responding to his gracious invitation that we did not deserve to come and experience him, right? To behold him in his greatness and glory. So then we, we sing a couple songs and the songs are designed to point our attention to who God is. It's a revelation of God to his people. We don't start with what we need to do, try to work up some excitement to serve God. No, God invites us to come and behold him, to remember who he is and what he has done. What has he done? God has sent Jesus to this world forever securing redemption for us, the gospel. And so we sing songs about the gospel. We sang them this morning, right? Uh, His mercy is more. What love could remember no wrongs we had done? I'm aware of plenty of wrongs I've done. Omniscient, all-knowing, he counts not their sum. Thrown into a sea without bottom or shore, our sins they are many, his mercy is more. Praise the Lord. His mercy is more. Stronger than darkness, new every morn, our sins they are many, his mercy is more. We need to hear that. I need to hear that. Maybe you needed to hear that this morning, that your sins do not disqualify you from being with God. Jesus has forgiven you of your sins. So we sing about that. We we celebrate it. And then we respond to that gospel. God's gospel motivates a response. And so how do we respond? Well, we pray to him. We ask him for things. We request things. And we come to his word. Because we believe that that these words are the words of life and we want to follow this great Savior that we have. And so we listen to the preached word and we ask God, God, please change us. Help us be more like you. And then we end our Sunday gatherings with a reminder that Jesus has accomplished the work that we could never do. We don't just end with, hey, here's a couple things you need to think about. Go for it. No, we, we sing and we, we celebrate that God has, has accomplished something, that Jesus goes before us, that the Spirit of God is with us. And then we end with a benediction that, that sends us out in hope. That's what we do every Sunday, week after week. And as long as I'm here, that's not going to change. We are holding fast to the confession of our hope without wavering. Now, are we holding fast because we're so strong and our faith is is just awesome? No. We hold fast because God is faithful. He's faithful to his promises. And so he's given us this weekly reminder to remind us that he's going to complete the good work that he began. And so we confess our, our hope. And lastly, we consider. Verse 24. And let us consider 
how to stir up one another to love and good works. So part of the reason or the motivation to gather is is because we get to experience the presence of God. We get to encounter the living God. And that's, that's an amazing thing for me, right? Because when you and I experience God, when we see who He is, when He speaks to us, you know what happens? Experience happens. We, we are amazed. We're, we love God more. We, we celebrate. We, we humble ourselves. We enjoy the Lord. All these different things. There's an experiential reality for me as I come to the Lord and, and worship Him. And we should long for that. We should expect that. When you drive in to church on Sundays, you should come anticipating that God is going to speak to you. But that's not all. Jesus has brought us to this grace-filled gathering so that we can consider how to love and serve our brothers and sisters. The word consider here denotes reflecting on, focusing our attention to. It's not if someone happens to come up to me and uh, interrupts my worship and says, hey, can you pray for me? I'm going through this. I'll oblige. No, that's not, that's not what he's talking about. There, there's intentionality to this consideration of how to stir up one another. And we're doing this because we love one another, right? Because we're concerned about the brothers and sisters around us. We want to motivate them and inspire them to live in the fullness of our great salvation. You have a part to play. And I think this is so important because so many Christians have a consumer mindset when it comes to church. We come and our standard for whether it was a good service is whether it felt it met our needs or not. Right? Was the music good? Did Jason make me laugh? Do I feel good? Yeah, that was a pretty good service. God has so much more for us. God has given us this gathering for you to participate in it. We're not just performing up here. Far from it. We are leading, we're attempting to lead the gathered church to participate and respond. We all have a part to play in that. And if your question is, well, how? I mean, I'm, I'm never going to preach. Like, I stutter when I read the Bible. Like, I hate praying in front of people. Like, I'm not going to be up here. There's, there's many ways that you can participate. We're going to hit some of them next week. But just, just to whet your appetite, your, your love for people can express itself in, in greeting them. In, in welcoming someone, in being intentional to ask them about what's going on in their life, to being quick to, to pray for someone if they're, if they're struggling. Not a, hey, I'll pray for you, but a, hey, let's pray right now. How can, I, how can I be of service to you? When you sing, you are, you are stirring up people's faith as they hear your voice singing praises to the Lord. There are many ways that we all are called to 
participate in this gathering together. And here's the point I don't want you to miss. God, in his mysterious mercy, can use you, wants to use you, to remind someone else of his grace. That that God will oftentimes use you to show that person and remind that person of what we already talked about. That he's for them. That he's with them. That he loves them. We all have that privilege and responsibility. Now, the writer ends this section with a warning. What will hinder all this? Well, a lack of of presence. A lack of presence. Look at verse 25. Not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another. In other words, one of the temptations that we will face as Christians is to neglect the grace that God has given us in weekly gatherings. And and the language here is strong. It's literally abandonment. Don't abandon the gathered church. It's important. It's important for us to be together. And and that's why online church might be necessary right now, but it's not sufficient. It's not sufficient because there's a lack of presence. We're not with one another. We're not able to engage with one another. God's design for his community is to be a place of people that are known and loved by one another. That we actually, we know each other. We, we see each other. Earlier in Hebrews, he, he talks about exhorting one another and encouraging one another every day so that we may not be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. You need other people. You need people speaking into your life. You need the church around you to help you, to encourage your faith. A couple months ago, Jason uh, wrote an article online, and he talks about the danger of seeing the church as a content producer. That, that many Christians in this day and age, they see the church primarily as, as information. This church is supposed to give me content, produce content for me to then take and individually apply into my life. That's not what the church is. The church is a living, breathing organism of people committed to loving one another, exhorting one another, and worshiping the Lord. That's what the the church is. And so we need to be a part of it. Our presence is important. Now, how do we do this in a pandemic? I don't know. (laughs) I don't know. We're we're figuring this out together. We've, We've never done this before. But we need to be committed to figuring it out. COVID is not an excuse for us to neglect gathering or engaging. We need to lean in to God's word, which tells us that we are not to neglect being together, being 
together. Now, I'm getting to know you all <laughs> slowly, more slowly than I would like to, um, but all that I've heard and seen and know is that Christ's covenant is full of people who, who love to, to gather together. You, you, you apply this, this word. And, and so if that's you, be encouraged. Um, God's grace is, is working in you. you. You love to be in God's community, the, the church. Uh, I also just want to leave us two things to, to kind of consider um, as, we, as we converse in our small groups and different things, uh, just of, of ways that this verse could be applied to, to our lives. Um, the first is, and this might be just for a future time, uh, but the first is, consider the priority that the Sunday gathering has in comparison to other things in your life. So consider its priority. If attending church is second priority to vacations, to rest, to brunch, to your own convenience, to traveling, to just having fun in your life, I think God's word would challenge us that he's called you to make this group, this gathering, a priority. It's supposed to be a priority. We're supposed to give weight to this in our various schedules. And so the question is, how are you prioritizing the Sunday gathering? Second thing, just for us to consider, is as I was thinking through this in my own life, consider how social media can impact our ability, especially to consider how to love one another. Social media is a fascinating thing, right? There's a lot of good to it, and there's a lot of challenges to it. I think one of the unique things about it is it makes us aware of an endless amount of needs and wants and things going on in the world, right? You scroll through your feed, and it's just endless needs, various causes, movements. And I think if we're not careful, we can, we can go into one of two extremes. One is we just try to meet all of it, right? We're, we're overwhelmed, and so we're, we're, just, we're, we're quickly, quickly captivated by, by the most important thing that's in front of me on my social media feed, right? The, the, the movement, the cause, the, the GoFundMe, the, you know, the friend, the whatever. Uh, and that can hinder us. Or we just drift into apathy. I, I can't, there's no way I can meet all these needs. And therefore, I just kind of absolve myself of responsibility. And I just keep scrolling. I think for us, we just need to consider if, say, I'm more passionate about correcting an ill-advised comment versus reaching out to someone in the church community, loving them, serving them. Or maybe I'm more apt to give money to this GoFundMe for a friend I had in elementary school due to some tragedy in their life, which is good. I'm not saying that's bad. It's good. But that could hinder me from just reaching out to my friend in the church who I know just lost their job and, and might need financial help. Now, I'm not pitting those two things against one another, but I am saying I think it's important for us to consider 
at the, the amount of time that we're giving to these things. We can only help so many people, right? We can only love and encourage so many people. And God says in His Word that there is a clear place where He has called us to do it. And that is the church. It's, it's the group that you have committed to, you have covenanted with. And so just consider that. Consider how you are loving and considering how to love one another. So God has given us a great grace. And it's the weekly gathering of His church. And as we make that a habit, it helps us to experience and know God. It helps us see that God has not created you and I to be isolated, lonely, figure things out on our own. He's given us a weekly grace to remind us of who He is and that He has drawn near to us that we might draw near to Him. He reminds us each week to fix our eyes on Him, to experience the Spirit present as we gather together as Spirit-filled believers. And we're to do this, friends, as the verse ends, all the more as you see the day drawing near. Friends, our final redemption is coming. Jesus is going to return. Our hope will be fully realized. There is coming an end to all of our struggling and all of our pain and all of our sadness. While we wait for that day and while we look forward to that day, anticipate that day. God has given you and I a weekly foretaste of that day. Of the joyful celebration of all that God has done. Of who He is in this world. He's not left us alone. So consider Sunday's rehearsals. We are rehearsing what one day we will fully experience, where we will gather around the throne of God and worship the Lamb who was slain, and we will give Him all glory and honor and majesty because He's worthy to be worshipped. And as we worship the God who is greater than us, He reminds us that we are dear to Him. That He loves us. That He is with us. And so let's make it a priority to experience the blessing of this grace week after week. Let's pray together. God, we are grateful we are grateful for your grace, Lord, that you have invited us to remind ourselves of your incredible love 
and faithfulness. So God, I, I pray for all of us. I particularly pray for anyone here who, who is struggling with their faith, is struggling to believe that, that, you, that you are real, that you love them. And God, I just pray that through this word and through these songs and this gathering that you would remind them of what is true. And that as a church community, Lord, we would, we would grow in anticipating your presence as we draw near and as we hold fast and as we consider how to stir up one another. We thank you, Lord. We love you. In Jesus' name.